Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your hosts, Alora and Kitty. And today we're happy you're here. In this episode, we'll be talking about spell work, tips and tricks, how to manifest faster substitutes in a pinch and the things we've done that have paid off the biggest. It's going to be a spellcraft power hour. So grab your cauldron and settle in. Yes, cauldron. I mean, we're talking spellcraft, so I figured it was appropriate. It does make sense. (laughs) Okay, so what is the strangest thing you've ever done in a spell that was also extremely powerful? Well, I'm not going to give all of the deets, but I will tell you, and I don't know necessarily that this is strange, but uh, once I used a hammer to break the chain of a necklace, it was mm. basically used to break an unhealthy binding, so to speak. It was extremely powerful and it actually worked in some pretty unexpected ways, but it worked. That's interesting, right? Because we always talk about cutting cords and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And there are cord cutting spells and all of that stuff, like the whole two candles thing. We've yeah. seen it on Pinterest and everywhere, but it's very popular it- right now. That's for sure. I know. But this is like a different type of sympathetic cord cutting that's actually physical. Yes. And I think because the necklace itself was something that I wore and um, had a specific connection. So yeah, it just seemed like the right thing to use at the time. Awesome. How about you? Oh, I don't know if it's strange, but I would definitely say that some of the more modern creative things I've done have been really powerful, uh, in spell workings. So I think one of the funniest is I did, um, a binding sweet jar, which I did that to gain permanent residency in Australia. Um, but when I did that, (laughs) I filled it with some interesting things. And one of the things I put in there was a Vegemite label, (laughs) uh, because it said a hundred percent Australian on it. (laughs) So what is Vegemite? Oh my, what? (laughs) I don't live in Australia. Gosh. You've never heard that song, the land down under, you know, Vegemite sandwich. I mean, I've heard it, but like, what is it exactly? Okay. Well, it's okay. So not to offend Australians, but from an American palate, it's gross. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My husband loves them though. He eats Vegemite and cheese sandwiches all the time. It basically tastes like, um, beef bullion cubes that are mixed with beer yeast. Like that's the best I can explain it to you. Yummy. And it's not tasty to me. Doesn't sound <laughs> I can't like it. Stand it, but it is uniquely Australian. Yeah. 
So that is why I included it in a spell working to gain permanent residency in the country of Australia. I love it. Very creative. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So before we get into deep into tips and tricks, let's talk about the components of a spell and the timing of a spell. Mm -hmm. So I think that you can break spell work down by uh, like, like you're in an auto mechanic shop, work with the (laughs) metaphor, (laughs) don't hate. So in an auto mechanic shop, the first thing that you have is basically your workbench or tool bench or whatever, what have you. So this also applies to spell work, right? So what, where will you be building your spell work? Is it going to be on your altar? Is it going to be outside in your kitchen? Those type, Yeah. In your kitchen, where are you doing this at? Right. And in your opinion, I guess, how much does your venue for spell work play into your working? It actually plays I mean, for me, it varies. Like I'll do it wherever I feel is most appropriate for that working, but yeah, it definitely, it it means a lot. I mean, it, the setting, the energies around you add to whatever working that you're doing. Right. And I agree a thousand percent. Um, and especially like, so let's say I'm going to build some spell working on my altar. I also want to ensure that the energy there is at its most potent. Mm -hmm. So I will definitely make sure that that space is cleansed, charged, et cetera. Yeah. Before I like commence, (laughs) before I commence the work. So the next thing I want to talk about is the fuel of a spell. So what do we mean by fuel? So these would be your ingredients like herbs, oils, papers, um, even your personal concerns or, um, you know, hair, nails, um, bodily fluids. Um, Mm. that is fuel. That's what I would say. Do you have anything to add to that? I mean, uh, Oh no. Cause I'm getting fuel confused with confused with the ignition switch, I guess. Uh, this metaphor is interesting. Um, <laughs> were you working on a car when you came up with this metaphor? No. Okay. Fuel <laughs> ingredients like herbs, oils, papers. Um, I mean, all of these things have their own energies that, right fuel the working. Right. So no, I mean, anything that you use like that makes sense to me. Okay. So tell us about the engine. So the (laughs) engine is the heart of the spell. So for instance, what I mean by that is if you are constructing a jar spell, I would say everything in that jar would be the engine of the spell. So once you like cap that jar, that jar would be the engine, right? Ooh, it's got all the okay. things in it. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to get used to this metaphor, but um, we're working with it. 
<laughs> Look, <laughs> this is the best I got. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I've never heard it broken down like this, but it, it does make sense. Yeah. And then we have the ignition switch. So this would be what sets your spell in motion. This can be (laughs) right. Exactly. Like, so this is like turning over the engine with a key. So this would be the key or the, uh, I can't think of another word here for this, but anyways, this would be like, so let's go with the jar spell here. Let's say that you're working on a jar spell and your ignition switch would be the candle that you would light on top of it to get it going, mm-hmm. to get it moving. Yeah. Uh, but there, there are more ignition switches out there than just a candle. So candles are really popular, but you, sex magic comes in here because you can also use your orgasms. Take it <laughs> as easy. Ignition. This is OOO girl, not my mirror. We'll, we'll edit it out. I can say something different. Can I just say sex magic? Oh no, you're taking me seriously. I was saying we can leave that in. I was just joking. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Um, I was being funny. You need to like change the tone of your voice when you're being funny, (laughs) because I don't know. (laughs) I can't do that. This is how, this is who I am. (laughs) There you go. You just did it. Okay. (laughs) So the ignition switch. Okay. Does, does that also include maybe dancing, singing? Right. Anything that raises energy. Yeah. Okay. Also in the realm of bodily fluids, a lot of those can be considered ignition switches because they are direct, directly tied to your life force, right? So you're literally putting your life force as the ignition switch. Mm-hmm. All right. So then we get to timing. Okay. Kitty, I want to ask you, does timing of the work affect the outcome and what timing method do you most prefer? I mean, I feel like a lot of people say that timing is super important, but I will say that I don't always go strictly off of timing. Like if I need to do something right then and there, I'll do it. And that usually manifests anyway. So for instance, I was doing a whole experiment where I was testing uh, different workings out with planetary hours. And honestly, I didn't see any difference with it. It didn't, it didn't help my workings. It didn't help make them any more powerful. So yeah, but I would, I mean, I enjoy using moon phases and days of the week the most as well as seasons, but I don't put like a strict limitation on myself with timing. Yeah. I think I'm in the same arena there. I don't. So timing is not as important as well, at least in my workings, it's not as important as motivation Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I have found that then this is just a personal observation. I have found that spell work that I do out of want takes a whole lot longer to manifest than when I do spell work out of need. And there's a huge difference. Yes. I agree with that. Um, so 
I will say though, that I adhere most to the hands of the clock. So when the hands of the clock are moving upward towards the, towards the 12, that's when I will do workings to bring things in. Mm -hmm. And when they're moving down towards the six, that's when I do workings to take things away. Yeah. And I feel like that works so much better and it's so much easier and simpler. Like I don't have to find an app to tell me (laughs) what planet is where and look, and I'm not saying that that's not useful. I'm saying that in my practice, it's not necessary. Right. Yeah. Because look, I think planetary hours and timing like that is more useful in things like ceremonial magic, high magic, Enochian Mm -hmm. magic. I think it is very useful in those realms of magic, but I practice more low magic. So like, well, what they call low magic, folk magic, Southern folk magic, et cetera. So yeah, yeah, I don't adhere to planetary hours. Yeah. Right. I agree with you. So now that we know how to build the car or the spell, (laughs) let's talk about manifestation timing and how to speed up or slow down your workings and go. (laughs) Okay. Well, the first ingredient that I would say, if you are wanting to manifest something fast or quickly or need it's urgent, I would definitely advise adding coffee or coffee grounds to the spell. Mm-hmm. Um, this has never failed me. Uh, <laughs> I think you can even get creative, uh, even more creative. And for instance, you know, use espresso grounds or, um, yeah, things that work faster than coffee grounds in the realm of coffee grounds, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. If you're a coffee connoisseur, like you could go crazy with it. Kind of like me with my different kinds of salt. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, I've never actually used coffee. Really? Really? You should give it a try. You know what I use? I, I typically use hot spices. That works too. Yeah. Cayenne, red chili flakes, pepper. Yes. That kind of thing. Definitely. I also think, um, adding wings or feathers. Now look, we're going to go ahead and say wings or feathers that are ethically sourced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, definitely am not promoting <laughs> the death of animals. Um, so don't, don't come for me. Um, also getting into modern creative witchcraft here, Red Bull and other energy drinks. Oh yeah. Can added. It gives you wings ethically sourced. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I mean, we laugh, but it's sympathetic magic. Listen, we're, we're going to talk more about this whole creative modern stuff because I love it. I think I don't want to get too much into it, but yes, exactly. (laughs) We're going to talk about Um, it more later. 
also heating up or cooling off a spell. So, um, heating up, obviously stove, Mm -hmm. oven. Yeah. Um, cooling off. Yeah. Open fire cooling off. We've got, you know, freezer, refrigerator, cooler, chili bin, (laughs) esky, however you say it in your country. Mm-hmm. Um, and also <laughs> size matters, um, in this. <laughs> in- <laughs> so what I'm talking about is the size of the candle that you're using as your ignition switch, for example. So I think that, look, it definitely depends on what type of working you're working on. So if you're working on something that is a long-term working that you're working for several days, um, et cetera, you obviously want to go with a larger candle, right? But if you need something to happen now and you don't have time to work a three or four day spell, the time or the resources or the venue to do that. Um, I definitely think that you can speed along a spell with using a tea light or a chime candle in, in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I think, I think the size of the candle thing is uh, almost like a, I don't want to say it's a last resort, but it's probably one of the last things that I would fall back on if I felt like I needed something to work fast. Yeah. Agreed. So speaking of wings, let's talk about the use of animal parts sympathetically Go ahead. Okay. So the sympathetic use of animal parts, I have always found that if I add an ethically sourced, i.e. already deceased animal part to my workings, that the spirit of that animal is then imbued into the working. So for instance, if I put a dead bee in my fertility work, the work is going to be imbued with the fertility of the bee and the strength of work ethic, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. I honestly, I don't work a lot with animal parts, but I have used, uh, butterflies, bees, feathers, and spider webs before with great results. Mm. And I do have a shark's tooth that I found on the beach as well as some bones in my charm set that I feel are powerful in their own right as well. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I was gifted a Uh, I want to say it's a chicken's foot or a duck foot. Well, I think it was a duck foot, but I was gifted it, but it was um, painted and decorated um, to be a witch's foot. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've had one of those. I have also been gifted a beaver tooth, which is pretty cool. Wow. That is cool. Yeah. Uh, And aside from, I think, I think most of what you've said I've used as well. Um, but also like moth and butterfly wings, Mm -hmm. because let's face it. I mean, if you look around your house nine times out of 10, you've found a dead moth or butterfly (laughs) because I think they're everywhere. (laughs) Oh, what? I cry when I find dead butterflies. Oh, well that's, I mean, it's life. It happens. (laughs) 
it's going to happen to everybody. Um, but I think that they're great for transformation magic. Um, flying ointments too. Mm. Yes. Spider web. What do you use spider webs for? Oh, for me, it was for a binding. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Spider webs are great for, I think they're good all ar- like, I think they're a good all around ingredient because you could use them for bindings. You could use them for like creative spirit- projects. Yeah. A spirit, but also like spiritual, um, I don't want to say transformation, but like the spider is the weaver. Right. And yeah, so is the witch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're like one of those animal ingredients. that's good in a lot of things. Definitely. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about substitutions. What are the best substitutions that you've found to work as well or better than the original ingredient? So this one was kind of hard for me to answer, but (laughs) I would say rosemary I've used for pretty much everything. So, but the truth is I write all of my own working, so I don't need substitutions. Does that make sense? Uh, (laughs) Yes. Yes. I understand what you mean. I use what I have like on hand or what I can find easily. Like when I'm writing the spell, I already know what I'm going to use and like if I already have it or if I need to get it. So there, I don't need to substitute anything. Yeah, I feel you. But I'm thinking back when I was a new witch, mm-hmm. um, because I, when I first started into spellcraft, what I would do is I would get ideas from books and um, other people's workings, and. I would then you change. You didn't ask me about being a baby. You just said substitutions. I thought you meant currently. <laughs> well, either or. Sorry. Um, but also, so it's funny that you said rosemary because that is one of my go-to substitutions because you can literally use it in anything. Mm-hmm. But I also, so when, so when I was a baby witch and when I started like getting inspired by other people's workings and then turning them into my own, uh, before I fully grew into my own spellcraft, I would use Angelica a lot as a substitute. Mm -hmm. Um, I find that it's good in most anything. Cinnamon was another one, but it's another good one too. Yeah. But I think more than that, I think this is where a witch's signature spell ingredient comes into play a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, and we have a whole episode on that folks in season one. I don't know. (laughs) I can't remember what season it's in, but yes, there's a whole podcast called witches signature spell ingredients. But I think that's where your developed signature comes into play because if you're missing an ingredient, you can't find an ingredient. It's hard to find, or you're wanting to add a boost that is uniquely you. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a developed signature comes into spellcraft. For sure. I agree with you. Well, 
along the same lines of what we were saying, do you think crafting your own spells is more powerful than using the pre-written ones? So personal opinion, yes. I, okay, let me back up here. I think that very few witches come into witchcraft writing their own spells. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a bad thing. No, no, it's, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. It's just an experience. Everyone um, does that. Yeah. And well, so most people. Yeah. I, like I said, I, it's very few that come into the craft writing their own spells all just like immediately. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with fear of doing it wrong or not getting the right format or, you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't have to do with your magic. It has more to do with the technical stuff. Um, at least from feedback I've heard over the years, uh, from new witches, but So I think that whenever you're starting out in spellcraft, I think using spell books or other people's work to inspire you is great. Yes. But I always encourage, even if you do that, I always encourage people to change things within the spell working. And if you're inexperienced and you're nervous and you're afraid, you know, you're going to get it wrong and all that, which you can't, but if you, if you don't want to mess with it too much, just change up a few ingredients, change up Mm -hmm. a few of the instructions and start there. Yeah. Great advice. I, uh, my beliefs are in alignment with yours. We're like the same human basically, but in different hemispheres (laughs) (laughs) because the world needs to. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. But Yeah, I definitely. So my final opinion on that though, is that I think that writing your own spells is far more powerful than writing or than using pre-written spells, Mm -hmm. but using pre-written spells to gain inspiration is not terrible. Like it's not a no, no. So yeah, exactly. All right. So let's touch on creativity. I feel like creativity is a big part of spell crafting. And I think a lot of folks get stuck in a rut with their spell crafting because they're not letting their imaginations inspire their magic. And conversely, the folks who have been the most creative with their magic have been the people who have actually taught me the most. Agreed. So I just want to give an example. Instead of doing the same old candle spell you've done a hundred times, mix it up and do something completely different. And it might feel a little odd at first, (laughs) but Mm. you'll be glad that you did it. And in addition, start using creative ingredients. Like Laura brought up using Red Bull and energy drinks to speed up Mm. your workings. That might be something that you don't find in a book, but it's super creative. And I love that. Yeah. Because nobody's going to, nobody has put in a book that you, you should use a Vegemite label. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> work. And also one other, um, another creative thing actually that 
a friend of mine over here in Australia, she was doing some money work and over here, the, uh, basically like sprinkles, what we call jimmies or sprinkles in the States mm-hmm. over here, mm-hmm. they're called hundreds of thousands. Yeah. So she put hundreds and thousands in her money work. <laughs> I love it. I, I love that. I think it's great. Um, I had a, a student of mine who was super, super creative, like right off the bat. She started out actually using things like bubbles and cat whiskers in her workings. And honestly, I couldn't get enough of her work. She'd come to me and be like, so I tried this thing and I'd be like, yeah, yeah. What'd you use? (laughs) Cause she was just so like fresh to it that, and just such a creative mind that she would think of things that I never would have, you know? Right. Exactly. And I think too, like, I think once you've been spellcrafting for several years, you kind of get stuck in your comfort zone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like we have those things that we know work. And so I think we're less willing to deviate in some instances. Yeah, I agree. But I, yeah, but I think it's good to like go out of your comfort zone and create something new. Even, I mean, challenge yourself. Uh, I think that that's always good. Yeah. There was a while there where I was like every month I wanted to make something new, you know, with my hands, whatever it was. Mm. And it was really just like motivating and cool. And, and now I'm kind of back to, I'm in a lull right now that I just don't want to make much, but we all go through that. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. So what about crafting your own supplies and tools? This is obviously another part of being creative and it's a big one in my opinion, because the time and thought and energy that you put into those tools that you're crafting only adds more of your power to your workings, um, in which you use those tools. And I, when I say tools, I mean, it could be, you know, a, a carved wand that you made or an oil that you made in the kitchen or any ingredients. Yeah. yeah. If you make them, yeah, I've de- I think it's best. Honestly. I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I made my own wand, uh, from, I want to say it was Ash. So I think too, if, well, especially in my personal practice, I think, if you are in a practice where types of wood are important, things like that, you definitely want to source your stuff to match what aligns with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's good anyway. Like I agree with you. And you know, it goes back to that, that old saying, or what we always say is the more effort you put into your tools and your spellcraft, the more you're going to get out of it. Yes. And there's going to be, like I said, times where you're going to want to put a lot of energy and effort into this stuff and other times where you just want to like kick back and read a book. (laughs) It's all good. All of it. All right. Local plants. Now Mm. this one I want you to talk about because I'm not very good at this. So local plants in your spell workings. For me, I think it's been a big part of my practice for many, many years Mm. 
And it, it's just super powerful. I can't even begin to tell you. Some of the plants that I work with that are native are mallow, Spanish needle, beauty berry, sea oats, saw palmetto. I could go on and on. Most of these ingredients, most of these plants, I'm not going to find on a metaphysical shop. You're not going to find online easily at least. And right. so that's what makes them special. They're unique and they're also unique to your area. So they've soaked up all of that energy from your local landscape and the elementals in your area. And your genus loci. Exactly. Exactly. So, and obviously you want to be ethical when you harvest these things. You don't want to take it from land that's protected. Um, you don't want to take too much of a plant when there's only a small amount and, you know, things like that. You don't want to uproot a plant either. If there's not a whole lot left of that plant, you want to give that plant, you know, the ability to keep growing where it's, where it's naturally growing right. already. Right. So yeah, I, it's yeah. not that I haven't done this. I have done this. I just don't do it a lot because I live in a genus loci that has nature things that I know nothing about. <laughs> so while I have used, while I have used like bottle brush leaves that have fallen off of the tree, um, you learn a lot by of getting out there and, and, you know, you see an interesting plant that has some berries or a weird flower to it or something. And you take a picture of it and you go home and you look it up. And if you're still not sure, I mean, you can always get a, um, like a guide, a, a plant guide, or even ask like a local nursery. Yeah. And that's awesome. It's just that here, a lot of the fauna, I'm sorry, the flora, a lot of the flora here is sacred Aboriginal flora. So it's not as easy as going because you can easily disrespect an entire culture yeah. <laughs> by using a plant that you're not supposed to. Gotcha. So that's why I haven't really got stuck into ethically harvesting my ingredients and stuff from my local area, just because, like I said, I haven't had the time to sit down and educate myself on <laughs> what's around here. I got you. Fully understand. And not everyone's going to be able to, you know, to do this, but if you have the ability to, then you should. Absolutely. Oh, all right. So tell us a way in which you get creative. So this kind of goes back to the whole writing your own versus pre-written, but it's a little bit different. Um, a way in which I get creative, if you're into traditional work or folklore, as I am, I say consider using old pieces of lore and witch trial documentation to inspire your work. You can pull from an old grimoire, but recreate these spells to make them your own, um, I mean, you can write your own spells based on fairy tales, myths, old mm. nursery rhymes, even. And yep. uh, for example, recently, within the past six months, I've been reading through the uh, witch trials of Isabel Gowdy. And she talks about using clay uh, 
to form a poppet, which is kind of a, was a pretty popular form of magic in the British Isles um, back in the 17th century. So I just used her methods and her words to inspire my own. So that's, mm. if you're into like historical things and folklore in that way, then I recommend getting inspired by something that you've read. Don't they call that, wouldn't they call that like reconstructionist magic? They call it, there's different names for it. Some people call it traditional witchcraft, which gets confused with like your traditional Wiccan, mm. you know, whatever sex right. or whatever you want to call them, but it's also called folkloric. Right. As well. But there's a lot of the witch trial documentation woven in. So call it what you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go, go back to the car metaphor. Yes. We're going to go back to the car metaphor for, for a hot second. So let's talk more specifically about fuel. So like we said before, the fuel is the ingredients that go into the working. Mm -hmm. But I think actually, I think down here we're talking about the ignition switch. Yeah. So this is where, this is why I said the meta, I got kind of lost in the metaphor earlier. It's probably okay. cause I've never been like in a car shop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So ignition switch. So tell us some unique ways to ignite a spell that aren't necessarily something you would instantly think of. Well, I think a lot, a lot of what we hear nowadays, what a lot of people say is you have to sit and visualize, visualize, visualize. And that is great, but you can do other things to um, flip the ignition switch, so to speak. Some just even doing anything that you enjoy, like physically playing an instrument, writing, dancing, painting. I mean, it, the energy you put behind it in your own special way is what gonna, it's what's, it's what's going to make it powerful basically. So you can do, I mean, any activity, I feel like that's, that's physical. You can use that, um, to flip the switch. <laughs> right. And I think, well, I think that's important to mention because there are people out there who literally don't have the ability to visualize. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> like that, that's a thing. <laughs> I know. And that's okay. So, you don't have to be able to visualize. If you're struggling with that, don't even worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Because you can dance, you can write, you can play an instrument, you can, uh, all kinds of stuff. Like it doesn't have to be visualization. Yeah. Because I mean, everyone learns differently too. Right. And it kind of goes into, if you're a visual person, are you auditory? Do you feel, you know, more, I mean, you can use that to your advantage too. So if you learn by hearing, maybe using music as a way, um, to fuel or to turn on the ignition switch, excuse me, <laughs> would be like more up your alley than visualization. Yes, I agree. Okay. okay let's talk about spirits and spell work. Woo. Yeah. So we've touched on this a little bit before and I kind of, I don't mean to get preachy about it, but I've heard a lot of 
witches in the modern times say they do not work with spirits in their magic. And which I think is a shame. It, it is. And for those of us who are more animistic, I consider ingredients and tools to have their own energies, which to me, it kind of makes them having their own spirits in a way. So if you're using ingredients and tools, you're still kind of working with spirits anyway, to me. True. Otherwise, what is even the point in using these things at all? I mean, if you're not acknowledging the energies there, then what's the point? And it's the same thing when we hear it's all about intention. It's all about intention. I agree with this, but I want to vehemently add to that and say, it's also about the energies you're putting into it, what sources you're pulling from. And, you know, if it was only about attention, anytime you blew out a birthday candle, your wish would always manifest. And let's mm, just be good honest. Good point. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Good point. Excellent point. Yes. So I the agree. spirits can help you turn on the ignition switch as well. Yes. So I guess we can back up and say another way to ignite a spell is to invoke your spirits. Yeah. And when we say spirits, we don't like mean ghosts necessarily. We're talking about, you know, your personal spirit guides, your ancestors, your deities, elementals, etc. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, personally, um, I don't think that there's a spell that I work that I don't call on all of those. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. Just bring them all in, you know, what the heck it's a party. Yes, <laughs> I agree. And I think that a lot of witches forget that if you're always using your own energy to fuel a spell, you're going to be so drained. Yeah. You hear it all the time, you know, Oh, I, I did this and you know, I, I put all my energy into it and it's like, well, did you call on any of your ancestors? How did this work out? And yeah, it's be, if you're using your own energy all the time, you're going to be drained all the time. Mm. So why not call on your allies? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're there to lend you their energy. They can carry your wishes into the ether for manifestation They'll provide you with messages and dreams. They'll guide and protect you. I'm just, I sound like, like an infomercial for spirits. Why not work <laughs> with the spirits? Give it a shot. Call 188. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though. I mean, I don't know. I just, I can't like being who I am and in my own practice, I can't even imagine a practice without spirits. Like that's just I can't do it. And I'm not hating on anybody, but to me, it just sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about boring. It's just like, like I said, being who I am and in my own practice, I just can't even picture it. <laughs> I think it's because we're honestly, we're a little more old school though. And you know, well, maybe that's true. I don't know. I didn't say hmm. old. I just said old school. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Don't forget that people. <laughs> okay. 
So let's move on to disposal or preservation of a working. Mm -hmm. So depending on your intention, you want to either keep the working around for a while or dispose of its remnants in the right fashion. And Alora actually wrote an entire article on how to dispose of your remnants that you can find on otherworldlyoracle.com. But do you want to go ahead and just give us a few examples of maybe like the intention of the spell work and then how to dispose of it? Yeah. So if you're doing a banishing work, you want to get rid of the working as soon as possible. Um, because hello, we're banishing something. Exactly. So getting it off your property is, uh, priority numero uno, (laughs) um, trash it or bury it on the other side of town. Um, conversely as well, like that, well, never mind. That's a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. If you're doing money working, if it's manifested, but you'd like to keep that energy around, um, bury the remnants in your yard, typically mm-hmm. in the east. Some um, people do the west, but I do the east. I don't think the east makes more sense to me. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would go Because you east. want the sun to continually rise on that. Well, not only that, but uh, in the west, like, yeah, we're talking about things going out. Right. Yeah. West just, just go with the East people, the East, (laughs) (laughs) or actually you could even, you could even bury them in the North. And the reason I say that is, is because if you want that money working to be long lasting, I would go North. True, true, true. Okay. If it's a positive working and you can reuse the materials like a crystal or a jar, clean it thoroughly, like soap and water, and then cleanse it before you reuse it. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that you guys all know or have seen probably at this stage, um, people using incense to cleanse their jars and, and so forth. Um, I will reuse materials depending on the working. Yeah. Agreed. Like, like we said, if it's a positive working. (laughs) Yeah. If you're, if it's, you're trying to banish anything or whatever, I'm not reusing any of that stuff. Right. You can also send remnants into moving bodies of water, bury them in other places like graveyards or forests. If it's biodegradable, leave it in the woods or you can trash it. Um, yeah, but definitely like, like we said, there's a whole article about this. Um, but you definitely want to ethically dispose of your spell remnants. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think a lot of people forget the, the, end the, you know, the disposal part. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I think it's kind of important. Do you know how many working, (laughs) this is, this goes sound so bad. How many workings that I have in bags, like bags or baggies, like all of the remnants, because I haven't, I haven't been able to properly dispose of them yet. 
I'm sure I have at least a couple and some drawers of mine. So I get you. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll find this bag and I'll open it up and I'll be like, what? Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> see, you're better than I am. Cause I actually, I pulled some out and I'm like, I don't even remember what this was for. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Oh. Well, I guess we pretty much talked it out, talked it through, built the car. We did. And now that Mustang is ready to fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So check out our dozens of articles on spells at otherworldlyoracle.com. We welcome you to join our high vibing Facebook group and visit Alora's website at alorarain.com for numerology and soul origin profiles, as well as tarot readings. Check out our recently released free to the public sister podcast, Amir's Well, for all things dark, taboo, and controversial. No need to subscribe. Just search Amir's Well in your favorite podcast app. Shout out to all of our oracles for joining us, whether you're new or returning. Subscribe to or favorite our podcast to be notified of future episodes. Help us out. And be sure to share our podcasts and review us too. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.